ministry of Nelson Ihiago. Be stirred as you listen. I have a lot to say, but I have limited time. So I'm going to try my best to shorten this as quickly as possible. But I'm going to make it as... Um, explicit as I can. Give me Mark chapter 2. Let's start from here. I want to teach on something I titled, I've taught this once before, not here, but um, I've taught this once before. I want to teach on something I titled The Essence of Devotion. Praise the Lord. I want to teach on something I titled The Essence of Devotion. Mark chapter 2. Let's start from verse. Coming. There's so much to unpack in this chapter. Let's start from verse 23. 23. And it came to pass, we're we're going all the way, so just follow me. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck, the disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Uh He said, and the Pharisees said unto him, behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful, uh uh-huh, He said, and he said unto them, have ye never read what David did? He said, when he had need and was unhungered, he and they that were were with him, uh he said, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat of the shewbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. uh He said, and he said unto them, The Sabbath was not made for man. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Give me 28. It says, therefore, let me read from here. It says, therefore, the Son of Man, therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Let me show you another verse. Um, Pray in tongues under your breath. Now, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Let's start from verse... Let's start from verse 6. Mark 7, 6. He said... and Okay, let's read from verse 5 so we'll know what he answered. So we'll get context. Verse 5. He said, 
Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? According to the what? He said, but eat bread with unwashing hands. KJV, Old English. Huh? He said, he answered and said unto them, well, hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites? As it is written, these people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh-huh. So that we'll be together. He said, but your heart is far from me. Now, pay attention to what Isaiah, um, Isaiah said. He said, they honor me with their what? With their what? But their is far from me. Hmm. He said, how be it in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines, the commandment of men. Now, hold on. Why exactly are they worshipping in vain? Talk to me now. Why are they worshipping in Or why is their worship vain? Say that again. Why is their worship in vain? Good. He said, um, but their heart is far from me. How be it in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well, you reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. Let's read on. He said, For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth his father or mother, let him die the death. He said, but if ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Now, this is what Jesus is basically saying. When you read, let me tell you, very quickly about people called the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees were a, they were a religious sect. Now, Jesus basically was speaking and he said that the disciples were hungry and they ate on Sunday. And their problem was why is it that they did not hold on to tradition as it was said? Then coming down to um, uh, Matthew chapter 7, they say, why is it that your disciples are eating without washing their hands? And Jesus said, basically, your focus is on tradition. You are hypocrites. You are using religion as a means to an end. Are you here? You are using religion as a means to an end. You are hypocrites. You are double-faced. You know, a lot of people don't know what, I just, I always like to say this. A lot of people don't know what the word hypocrite means. A lot of people are quick. When they see a believer fall or a believer have a flaw, they begin to say, ah, he's a hypocrite. No. Jesus is not afraid of people having weaknesses and working sanctification in their lives. What the problem Jesus has is people whose lips, like Isaiah prophesied, people whose lips are close to him, but their hearts is far. That worship is vain. Are you with me? So, when a man puts up, um, uh, <laughs> it does not matter how dangerous.
melodious the worship looks in court. How melodious the singing is. How everything is. If the man's heart is detached from his lips, the worship is vain. Are you here? Are you here? Deeper than what you do in worship is the heart that the worship flows from. That is why, you see, the Bible clearly tells us, it says a broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will not despise. Say amen if you are with me. Please, this is a very important teaching. A broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will not despise. That is why you will find people who don't really know much of the word. Huh? They don't really know much of the word, but the little they know, they do, and they know they do. And then they, they are fresh in their fellowship with God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, those people, they don't know much. But, if there is anything, is their heart is not disconnected from their mouth. Hypocrisy is lying. And six things that the Lord hates, even seven, a lying tongue. Are you guys here with me? A lying tongue. The Pharisees were dying. The disciples were hungry, but then their problem was, it is the Sabbath day, they are not supposed to be walking. They are eating. Matthew chapter 7, they said, how is it that they did not wash their hands before eating? Of course, in another account, Jesus lets us understand that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man. Because out of the, a good man, out of the treasures of his heart, brings forth good fruit. And then a bad man, out of the treasures of his heart, brings forth what? Bad fruit. So, what goes into a man is not what defiles him. What actually defiles the man? Huh? What defiles a man is what comes out of the man. Because what comes out of a man is a true reflection of who that man is. Are you guys here? Are you guys here? Please, I need your response. Are you guys here? Good. It's usually the first half of the meeting. That I, usually the first half of the room that is in the meeting. Those at the back, are you here? Thank you. Most of the people I heard are volunteers, but okay. So, in Matthew chapter 7, they said, if you have anything, now, listen. Bibli according to this verse, biblical honor for your parents is not just respect, it's material. Please, are you with me? It's material. If you've ever heard me teach on giving, you realize I always teach on giving to the gospel, giving to ministry, give, giving to the poor, and giving to your parents. Listen, it does not matter how wealthy your parents are. If you don't give to them and you are earning money, you are wrong. You are wrong. Even if you are not earning and they give things to you. See, I know some of you may be saying, Pastor, you don't understand the relationship I have with my parents. No matter how complicated the relationship with your dad and your mom is, if there is one thing as a child of God, scripturally you owe them is what? Honor. Things may be difficult and may not be cordial, but you see, honor, you can't let it go. So, if you give according to God's word, according to God's word, if you give only to the church, you are wrong. Are you aware? If you give to church to the extent that you don't take care of yourself, you are in error. This is the thing about spiritual things and even the word of God. When you read the word of God, you are balanced. You know where to draw the line. You know where you have gone too far. Are you here? If also you don't give, if, if you give so much that you don't have enough to take care of yourself, you are wrong. 
Because, I mean, he gave us all things richly to what? Enjoy. It's God's will that you take care of yourself and you take care of those around you. And I mean, when the Bible says, if any man cannot take care of his home, he's what? Worse than an infidel. The word man there does not mean male. It's generic for anyone. Of course, the context was given to widows. So, if those around the widow had children, male or female, if they cannot take care of those of their own household, it's wrong. That's what Paul, Paul is basically trying to say is an abomination. So, listen, if you earn and you don't give to your parents, it doesn't have to be a lot. Airtime. And allow it to grow from there. If you don't give to your parents, you are wrong. So, from today, repent. The month has gone. Where today is 17. As the month is ending, remove something. Send to your parents. Buy them a bottle of wine. Buy a car. You are in the house. You are earning, but you are not paying rent. You are still living with them. You come home and you say there is no milk. Buy it. Something spoils you. Don't, I don't know why I'm talking in this line. Something spoils you and you say this thing is not working well. Fix it. It's honor. It's common sense. Are you guys here, please? We must do better. Amen. So, I mean, is biblical honor is material. You cannot separate biblical honor from material giving. So, if you own, because you remember, this is what Jesus said. Jesus was saying that you say that you honor your parents, but whatever you would have used to honor them. The Pharisees said that if you said that it was supposed to be a gift to the temple, you can tell your parents that what I wanted to give you, I've given it to the temple. Right? Jesus was condemning that act. It's just like how people like to say things like, if you have your tie and you want to choose, should I give to church or should I give to the poor? Why do you have to choose? Is that the only money you have? I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, biblical honor is material. Bibli you know when the Bible says count them those who labor over you in word and doctrine, First Timothy 5, count them worthy of double honor. The word double honor is time. It means payment. He was talking of material things. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go into, um, so, listen, you have a pastor here, you've never given him a gift, you are wrong. You're actually wrong. If he ministers to you spiritual things, Huh? You should minister canal things. Galatians 6 6. You are wrong. And it's not because the grace on his life will come upon you. No. No seed gift. <laughs> gift. If all the givings you have given has been because the Lord has cajoled you, something is wrong with you. You are not healthy. Everybody's quiet now. Cold water is on the audience. Of you are saying, choke me, Lord. Enjoy me, Father. It's good. Give. If you don't give in, if you don't give, it's some it is indicative of the fact that your um your attachment to material things is strong. Akagom is not a fruit of your spirit. Say, I rebuke Akagom. Loose me and let me go. You know, OSM was a great meeting. I was going through the books. We spent close to a million naira on that meeting. Four hours. One, almost a million. 
Four hours. See, whatever complaint you had about that meeting, bury it now. And the reason I'm saying that is because I, I was looking through the ministry account and I saw people that give generously. Somebody just come and say, sir, you they preach. You preach well. But somebody facilitated the signs and wonders. People gave. Alright. Anyways, that's, that's an aside. How you doing, sir? You good? Alright. So they said, whatever you wanted to give, he said, if you wanted to give something to your parents and then you gave it to the temple, you are free of it. I mean, it doesn't matter. But Jesus was saying that by their own tradition, they have nullified the word of God. They have used tradition and what they have put in place to hamper the effectiveness of God's word or to turn aside what God's word says. This is a good place to say what I should have started with. Listen, let me tell you why I believe in the Bible. Are you here? Let me tell you why I believe in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, you see, we're in a generation where everybody is deconstructing. How many of you have come across that term, deconstruction? Raise your hand. If you're on Twitter, you've seen it. Raise your hand. And when I go on the pages of people who are deconstructing, my heart breaks. Now, there's nothing wrong with deconstruction in itself. Are you here? You have a friend who's deconstructing. Che, you do? Do you? Don't worry, we'll talk later. There's nothing wrong. It's not word of knowledge, I'm just asking. There's nothing wrong in deconstructing in itself. If you are bulldozing rubbish and constructing properly, are you with me? Are you guys with me? See, when you came to truth, you deconstructed. You questioned some things that you had believed to be true. I remember last, was it last year? When did I teach in cryptocurrency? Okay. So, teaching cryptocurrency, people were deconstructed. <laughs> I remember it was one young man at the back. I said, God wants you to not give in. He wants you to give. He doesn't want you to sow in tears and reap the joy. He wants you to give cheerfully. It doesn't mean that the giving will not hurt sometimes if he tells you to give. He just wants you to do it with joy. So it's not also in tears that reap joy. He's giving cheerfully. So listen, it's not just what you give. It's how you give. Hilaru, give, give laughingly. I said that. And then someone at that corner shouted, yeah, my money. Because he had been said, if you don't give a gift, if it does not move you, it can't move God. Right? Now, the, and that's why I'm doing this teaching. Listen, this transactional mindset to Christianity has cost us a lot of things. You know God. So, you see, you know people who don't pray. But then when a problem arises, emergency three days vigil. And then when you finish, you say it's not working. It can't work. Because the goal of prayer is not to bend God to your will. is you subscribe to his will. If you work for God, his things will work for you. There's a context in which that is true. There's a context. But if that's the foundation of your Christian faith, you will, you will end in a terrible place. God is not your staff. Like I said at OSM, if God did not um, 
If the reason Jesus came was not to make us rich, if the reason Jesus came was not to give us a bodily healing, if the reason Jesus came was not to give us any material thing that passes with, with time, then that cannot be the essence of your relationship with him. Are you guys here? That cannot be the essence of your relationship with him. Now, there's nothing wrong in, you see, I, when I was in SS2, my Islamic teacher came to me. So today's teaching is more like a gist. But there are a few things that the Lord placed on my heart I must say. My Islamic teacher began to, Mr. Wahid, he began to ask me some questions. He said, how do you know Christianity is real? And he began to drop some things I couldn't defend then. You know? And then, I said, it's real now. But how do you know? Then, the next, two days after, I had um, encounters with the power of God. And I said, ah, I can't, it, it can't but be real. But, I began to study. It lingered in my mind until my 200 level. I said, wait, am I being fooled? <laughs> am, I, am I being scammed? I said, wait. So I began to study apologetics. Now, I don't know, I'm not an apologetics guru, but I know enough to defend my faith. I know enough to, to believe why I, to, I know enough to know why I believe what I believe. I'm not a Christian because I was born in a Christian home. I'm not born again because I was born in a Christian home. You can be at the airport and miss your flight. I'm not, a, I was born in a Christian home, but I got born again in 2012. My parents, lovely people, they said they are nice prayers. It's me that is not normal in the house. Kadua, Badash. They said they are nice prayers. It's me that is not normal. My father watched my, he said, ah, your ministry is growing He didn't know when I was ordained. Just found out. He said, why didn't you tell us? I said, they shall ordain me. <laughs> so, born in a Christian home, loving the Lord, doing my thing. But I began to study. I began to study. See, I am different from my, my Christian upbringing. Very different. That should tell you that being born in a Christian home is not what makes me a Christian. You know, when an atheist comes to you and tells you, you are a Christian because you were born in a Christian home. You know, there's a book by Greg Kukul, K-O-U-K-L, called Tactics. You ask, what do you mean by that? How did you arrive at that conclusion? Many times, when you start a question with if, I will answer you with if, because it's a probability. If you say, what if you were not born in a Christian home? What if you were born in the, in the uh, Middle East? You would have been a Muslim. I say, well, what if you were not born? We will not be having this conversation. You won't be stressing my life for Christ's sake. But I began to study. I picked up Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's a large book. And the last thing in those books were testimonies. But I began to read the, reliability, the uniqueness of the Bible. Then the reliability of the Bible. Then he began to give defense. Why do we believe what we believe and all this? And I said, ha, I've been sleeping on this thing. Then I began to study. I, 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 turned, I saw Ravi Zacharias. I saw Frank Turek. I began to see... Um, Josh McDowell, even his son, Sean McDowell. You know, I began to watch many of them and I was like, this thing is not a scam. It's real. 
Hear me. It is a historical fact that Jesus died and rose again. And that changes everything. Listen, listen. When people come and say, oh, the Bible says this, but hear me. First of all, you need to understand, the Bible does not validate Christianity. Christianity validates the Bible. It is because Jesus rose, we have a holy book that was canonized. If he did not rise, even if there was no Bible, the resurrection would still be true. And Jesus would still be the only way to the Father. Are you guys with me? Oh? If Jesus if Jesus rose, if Jesus rose and the Bible was never, never existed, he would still be the only way to the Father. Why do I believe the Bible is the word of you? See, I don't, I don't have a problem with people deconstructing. My only problem is when you are deconstructing, be honest with yourself. A lot of people say they are deconstructing, but what they are doing is they don't want moral accountability. I don't, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, right? And maybe I'm saying that, maybe there, there are people in the crowd, you know, we all come to church and look fine. We all gather and we say, wow, what a word. But somebody is battling inside. I've seen it again and again and again. Many people just cannot accept God's word. So they accept a shade of Christianity. That's why, sincerely, YouTube, you will not find this video. So it won't take you down. Sincerely, that's why I believe that there are a lot of people who, they say they are um, progressive Christians. There is no such thing. If you are not a traditional Christian, you are not a Christian. And I'm not saying this to judge. I'm saying this from on the authority of God's word. The male and female made he them. Made he them. A lot of people say Jesus made no statement about marriage and about sex. And that, that, that. Jesus said anyone who looks at another woman lustfully. Huh? Any man who looks at another woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus basically affirmed that marriage was supposed to be, he said, like he that was at the beginning said. Let's look at that verse. Let me not quote. It's not part of my notes, but this is important. Jesus was quoting Genesis 2. Where's that verse? Where's that verse? Where's that verse? Matthew 19. Matthew 19 from verse 1. Matthew 19 from verse 1. And switch. He said, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished this saying, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And the great multitude followed him and healed them that were there. Where am I going to? Hold on. Let's, read, let's go to verse 4. Look at this. This is important. Verse 4. He said, and he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them what? Jesus is affirming that there are only two genders. Are you here? 
Next. You know, see, I, I, I'm not trying to be a jerk, like I said, because someone might be here and be angry. Listen, it's not me that said it. It's Jesus. So, you know, Dr. Frantirek, every time they ask him about what do you think about gay marriage and things like that, he said, it doesn't matter what I think. What did Jesus say? And he and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. Nakedness is for people that ring. Are you here? No ring, no nakedness. Can I preach now? No ring, no what? Next verse. Nakedness in any form. Nudes. Wicked. Anything. Anything. No nakedness. He said, the two shall, there were no more two but one flesh. What therefore? God had joined together. Let no man put asunder. Let me see the next verse. Let me see the next verse. Okay, okay go back. Go back. Go to verse 5. He said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall be called what? One. In this statement, Jesus was basically letting us understand any form of oneness eh, that is not between a man and his wife. Said wife here. Wife means what? A married female. A married human adult. Human female adult. He said, he said, the two of them shall become one. So, God's idea, you know, Jesus is God, right? He's the one that revealed um, God's heart to us. So, everything in this verse, you know, people say Jesus didn't really talk much about marriage, no. In this verse, anything that is not captured here is not God's idea for marriage. It's not God's idea for marriage. Are you guys here? Bring it down. Anything that is not captured here is not God's idea for marriage. How did I get here? Um, listen, why I believe the Bible is the word of God is simple. In a rough summary, Jesus quoted the law, quoted the prophets, quoted Genesis. Are you here? Quoted the law, quoted the prophets. Jesus said, the gospels were the account of him. Jesus said, he said, the, when the spirit is, of truth is come, he will what? Guide you into all truth. Who was he talking about? The, the apostles. And that guiding into all truth was fulfilled in 1 Corinthians 2, 8, 9, 10. What eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither has he entered into the hearts of any man. Are the things that he has revealed. is the same thing we see in Ephesians 3. When he said that, when Paul, Ephesians 3, 3 to 5, when Paul basically said that um, the grace that was given to, to me to reveal the mysteries, the mysteries that were hidden at all time, the mysteries in the Old Testament of Christ and him crucified, that's what Paul revealed. These are the things that the Spirit, he said that he has revealed them through his apostles and the prophets who are the what? Foundations of the church. They've released the revelation that the church is supposed to be built upon. Are you here? So, the... No other person is supposed to reinvent doctrine. We only, we only discover doctrine. We see what the apostles taught and we teach it. 
Are you guys here? We see what they taught and we teach it. So, I mean, when you look at that, Jesus quoted the Old Testament. Jesus taught. Jesus said the apostles will come and say this. Even revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we look at it, if the one who rose from the dead says something about books, we believe him. We believe him. I think someone said that for the Bible to not be the word of God, for it to be faked, there has to be an ingenuity that is dangerous. The Bible was written over the span of 1,500 years, over 40 different characters, yet you can draw a line through all of them, Christ. Christ, because he's the message of scriptures. Christ. Do you know what it will take? Isaiah wrote about the Messiah 300 years before he came. Like a lamb led towards the slaughter. Isaiah wrote about it. Like a lamb led towards the slaughter. And he said he opened not his mouth. When Isaiah prophesied about the crucifixion, crucifixion was not a method of, re- of execution in his time. Yet it had not been invented. That's prophetic. The one way they scare me. Are you here? He said he will be buried among the rich. Jesus was buried in the tomb of a rich man. What, how do you want to make that happen? And another thing, listen. The Bible reveals the weaknesses of these men that God used. No, if I wanted to doctor a book, I would hide my stories. David, the man after God's own heart, he said, uh, Uriah, there's a way you are looking, you will go to the battlefront. There's that. There are many other things in scriptures that you're like, um, um, Noah, Noah, just man, yet he was a drunk. Come on now. Well, all these things, I know why I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of God because the word himself attested to the, to the books. This is a rough summary. You know, even for the canon that we have, we see the apostles and even the children of the apostles, that's Polycarp and the rest. They verify. You see, there's a Christian doctrine called the sufficiency of scriptures. We believe the word of God is sufficient for revelation. Right? Some people call it sola scriptura, but it depends. <laughs> because sola scriptura means different things to different people. But simply put, it's the sufficiency of scripture. Are you here? Yes, the sufficiency of scripture. We land on scriptures. Where the word of God is right and you are wrong, you give way. Please sit up. There are a lot of people, please sit up. There are a lot of people who, um, they begin to, when I find and converse and see a lot of people that are deconstructing, they are tearing down the foundations of the Christian faith that don't sit well with them. But in my mind, I'm like, when did your life become about you? And I've said this before, if God is the all-wise God, it is wisdom to live according to his dictates. I've thought this many times. You know, how many of you were here in Kadash? Consecration. Okay. I showed you um, societally when we flout God's rules on family, the repercussions. How many of you remember? I showed you statistics. You know, Apostle um, Emmanuel, he taught a sermon 
in JFK many years ago. He said 10 non-biblical, non-biblical reasons why you should not have sex before you get married. I remember young, being young in my, way younger in my Christian faith, the Lord told me. He said, everything I tell you not to do is for your good. It's not my good. It's not his good, it's for our good. After all, we are the sheep of his pasture. So, many people want to hold on to them. And they cannot shake off the fact that there is God. So, they want to hold the two together. So, you find progressive Christianity. Christianity does not progress. It's still what it was. You know, a lot of people want to... A lot of people want to be... You know, I, I was reading Ecclesiastes on the plane to Abuja. So, I was reading. I was just reading and I read like six chapters. And Solomon said something that struck me. He said, what has been? What is that has not been? He said, the wind will blow and the wind will turn, but it will still come back again. He said, the sun, he was basically, there's, this, there's a popular saying we get from Ecclesiastes, something like that. Um, what goes around comes around. Is that, no, no, that one is karma. There's nothing new under the sun, yes. Solomon said that there's nothing new under the sun. And when I saw that, it made me have honor for the word of God. Why? A lot of people say, oh, the Bible, you know, I, I saw this somewhere. The Bible is, an, is a book that is old but ever relevant. I heard Pastor Christian Akilome say this. He said, long time ago, he said, the transformation, transportation may get faster. It's still transportation. Communication may differ. It's still communication. The way we exchange currency might be different. It's still money. If you like, let it be crypto. Let it be um, e-wallet. Let it be calories. The love of money is still the root of all evil. So when I saw Solomon say that, you know, that there's nothing new under the sun, and he said, what has been that, what will be that has not been, the wind blows, it will still come back again, and all those things. I said, wait, oh. He gave me more honor for the word of God, because what the word of God has been saying is what it will still be saying. What the word of God has been saying. If the word of God describes an end, you better believe that end will happen. From time immemorial, there has always been a way that seems right unto a man. So, when a lot of people want to deconstruct, they say the Bible is not relevant. Hey, it's time. Oh. Listen, if you're watching me online, if you're here, if you have doubts, ask questions. And maybe there are some of us that are struggling with uh, single sex attraction. People struggle. It's okay. It's okay to struggle. What's not okay is to make excuses. It's to say that this is how I am. I want to jam it. That's what's not okay. Jesus helps weaknesses, but Jesus hates hypocrisy. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You either subscribe to his government or you, are, or, or you don't choose him at all. So, I found a lot of people try to explain things in God's word away, right? They try to explain things in God's word that don't sit right with them away and then they say they have... You know, there's this popular guy who left the faith and he said he had so many questions. And in my mind, I'm like, okay. So, talking to a friend, he said this and he struck me, he said... So, now you've left the faith. Have your questions been answered? 
The singular reason I'm a child of God is because Jesus died, rose, never to die again. If he died and rose, and he says, believe in me and you will have eternal life, I believe him. With a follow who no road. I may not know many things, but you see that one. If he said it and he proved it to be true, then it's true. Every other thing pales in comparison to what he's saying. Every other truth pales in comparison to his word. If he said, believe in me and you will not die again, and they that die, yea, they will rise again. I believe him because he's true. And so also, because he rose that he might be declared Lord over the world, living and the dead. When he says this is the way to live, even when society is against it, only his word stands sure. Let God be true. And all men liars. When men and God, when the voices of men and the voice of God argue in my life, the voice of God will always win. He will always win. What I'm saying now may sound like stories, but some of you will need it one day. You will need it very soon. You are not trying to be contrarian when you don't flow with, um, you know, a lot of people now try to say, oh, people use scriptures to justify slave trade. If you read scriptures critically, the slavery in scriptures was actually to walk off your debt, not the, num the dehumanizing slavery we had. As a matter of fact, if you sold someone into slavery, you were to be killed. So men bent verses of scriptures to suit themselves. To suit themselves. I, I thought this in Let's Talk Bible, about the Bible, you know, high level still, because apparently we, we thought for like six hours, we thought we had time, but we did not. Praise Jesus Christ. So if Jesus died, rose, and then he speaks forth, I believe what he says. Even when society is going left, I hold the word of God down. When society says this is what we believe, what does the word say? God is always right. So everybody can be wrong. Praise the Lord. Did that help? That was, I think. So these guys, they met with Jesus. And then they said, their heart was yearning, their heart was far, but their lips was close. They will say mighty things, but then their lips were, and that's why, whew, time is fast spent, so I'm going to just preach this now. We see Jesus, you see, <laughs> Jesus looked at the Pharisees. He said, you give your tithe of mint and cunning. You give all those wonderful things. He said, all these things you do, but you forget the weightier matters of the law. Are you with me? You forget the weightier matters of the law. And what did Jesus call the weightier matters of the law? He said, matters of justice and fairness. This you ought to have done, not leaving the other undone. This answers the question is of, are all sins the same? They are not. I know some of you are shocked to hear that, but they are not. According to that Jesus' statement, are you with me? Answer me now. So he said, this ye ought to have done. How are you? Not leaving the other what? Undone. Not leaving the other what? So, Jesus was basically speaking to us. And then he was saying, yo, these guys. Help me now. 
This thing you are doing when it comes to the tithe. Tithing is good. Those givings, they are good. But then there are weightier things that you are forgetting. Remember what I started by? Jesus said that their worship is in vain. Why? Because their heart was what? Far. You know, a woman saw Jesus. And then when she saw Jesus, the woman said, she said, she said, Master, where is the place to worship? You Jews say it's Jerusalem. But we say, you Jews say it is Jerusalem, but our fathers have worshipped on this mountain. And do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, neither. It means both of you are wrong. Are you here? Both of you are wrong. Jesus was basically trying to say that, he said, the time is coming and the time now is. When Jesus said the time is coming, most times when Jesus spoke futuristically, most times he was talking of post-resurrection realities. Are you here? So when he said the time is coming and the time now is where the true worshippers, hold on, listen. In the Old Testament, when you went to worship, you went with a sacrifice. Are you here? Abraham, when he was taking uh, Isaac, he said, the Lord said, where are we going? He said, we, he said, he told the servant, stay, let I and the Lord go yonder to what? To worship. And then what did Isaac ask him? Where is the what? The lamb. So, worship was what? Sacrifice. You cannot separate worship from sacrifice. So, in the Old Testament, when they said, where is the lamb? And then he said, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. Right? A lot of people say that typificationally, that's a salvific text. So, Jesus was walking and, and Abraham walked with this guy. And then, you know, you know the story. But Jesus basically speaking to us. Jesus said, we are the, a time is coming and time now is, we are the what? True worshippers. It means that in the Old Testament, there was worship because they sacrificed. Are you with me? They sacrificed. There was worship, but there is what is called what? True worship. True worship. What does that mean? True there basically means that the worship that they did in the Old Testament were what? Types. Um, um, the Bible speaking in Hebrews. I wish I had time to show us this thing in scriptures, but we are out of time. The Bible speaking in Hebrews. It basically said that every man builds according to the pattern of what he has seen. And basically it was telling us that Moses built according to the pattern of what he had seen, which was a type of what was to come. The true and the holy temple, right? So, the, you know, when the Bible says, you know, I, my, my, one of our vice chancellors then, he used to use this verse to expel people. The same gospel which was prayed to us was not was prayed to them, but it did not profit them not being mixed with faith. <laughs> Are you with me? Calvin Klein, CK something. Anyways, so he said that, but you know what that verse means? That verse, when he says the same verse that was preached to us was not, was the same gospel that was preached to us was preached to them, but it did not profit them not being mixed with faith. What does that mean? Jesus had not died. So how was the same gospel preached to them? Simple. The gospel was preached to those guys in the Old Testament in types. In types. When the lamb was slaughtered, the lamb for one year that held the sin of Israel for one year. It was a sign that there was someone who was going to be a sacrifice that was coming. Who was going to, I mean if the lamb for one year held the lamb for one year. This lamb who was a sacrifice was going to hold, you can hold on. This lamb who was a sacrifice was going to, was an eternal lamb that was going to hold the sins of Israel. For how long? 
eternity. The high priest, when he entered, he went to offer the sins. He went to offer blood for the sins of... You can hold on. He went to offer blood for the sins of Israel and he went to offer blood for his sin first. It was a type of the fact that an eternal high priest was coming who was going to go in and was going to offer blood. Huh? Not for his sin. As a matter of fact, the fact that they, he offered blood every year reminded them that they were still in their sin. Are you guys here? The fact that he offered blood every year reminded them that they were still in their sins. But this high priest, that one was a high priest, but he was what? A type. But Jesus was the what? True high priest. That one in the Old Testament, the lamb that they offered, it was a type. But this Jesus was the true lamb. In Revelation, when he says, I am the true and faithful witness. When he uses the word true, it means that he is the fullness, he is the actuality, he is the revelation. Are you here? So when he says the true worshippers, it means that the ones who will really worship, the ones who will do the true worshipping. You see, a lot of people have used that verse to say, oh, those that worship must worship. It means that where is your heart? The father is seeking so that worship him in spirit and in truth. Are you worshipping him in spirit? How will you know? But you see, Paul answered, he says we are the circumcision. Which worship him in what? Spirit. Are you here? We are the circumcision which do what? Worship him in how? Spirit. So, um, because we are the circumcision, i.e. because we are God's chosen people, we have had the circumcision of the heart by the spirit, we are the ones who effect true worship. The worship they did in the Old Testament was a type. Huh? But then there is a high priest who has offered for us. And then when we lift our hands, anything we do in his name, we are presenting our bodies, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. For this is our reasonable service. This is our actual worship. Everything we do in line with his will is giving true worship to him. So true worship is not tears and lifting your hands and crying in worship. That has its place. Emotions have its place in worship. If it touches your heart, if it touches you, it will touch your emotions. Are you with me? Right? But... Um, the way you are standing, I was afraid. Like, what did they happen? If it touches your heart, it will touch your emotions. But, the truth of the matter is, that's not the core. Jesus said, neither in this temple, nor in Jerusalem, but the time is coming where the what? True worshippers will worship him in the spirit. I said all that to say this. Listen, I'm, I'm building somewhere. You see, these guys, they asked Jesus a question. Um, Ah, time, 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 time. Okay. And then you read John chapter 12. Um, from verse 9 thereabout. The Bible lets us know that even after Jesus rose Lazarus from dead, do you know what the Bible says? The Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus. Many of you don't know. See, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from dead. We are going to 11. Let's read, let's read, let's read, let's read, let's read. He said, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to what? They wanted to kill somebody who, was, who had died and had been risen. If anything, this thing should show you one thing. Be why? Because they wanted to protect an institution. They wanted to protect an institution. They forgot why the law was given. The Bible lets us know, you know, Romans chapter 3 from verse 19 down, Galatians chapter 3 from verse 24, 
um, Romans 3, I think 19 to 21 thereabouts, it lets us understand that the reason that the law was given was so that it might lead men to the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That by the law, no man will be justified. Everyone will be proven guilty. And then every man will know that because he's guilty, he needs a savior. Are you guys here? Because he's guilty, he needs a savior. And because come, he needs a savior. So the, the law was to lead us to salvation, which is found where? To the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. John chapter 5 verse 39. I'm, I'm wrapping up my introductory thoughts so you know where I'm going. John 5 39. Look at this. This is Jesus speaking. He said, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have what? Ah, uh, Guys, don't read like a camel now. Let's read like a mass choir. One, two, go. Jesus was not faulting their reading of scriptures. Huh? Jesus was not faulting their reading of scriptures. What Jesus was faulting was that that thing you are looking for in scripture, he is before you. He is before you. Listen. Every time I think of the essence of devotion and a lot of... I'm going to say some things after laying this um, theological premise. Every time I think of the essence of devotion and why people miss it, I think of the Pharisees quickly. These are people who have waited for a Messiah all their lives. And then he came and they couldn't recognize him. Kenneth Hagin says, there are many churches that even if Jesus comes in wearing a big red hat, they will not know he's the one. He said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Jesus was basically saying that in the scriptures, eternal life truly Eternal life truly is found. What you are looking for in eternal life in the searching of scripture, you will find it. But that eternal life that you are searching for in scriptures, it will lead you to a person, which is me. Are you here? And how they missed it, simple, because the Bible lets me let us understand. Scriptures testify of who? Jesus. At the end of the Old Testament was the Messiah. And um, 1 Peter 2 was basically telling us of how the prophets had prophesied and prophesied. They prophesied of the things that were to come. But they themselves, they themselves even sought of these things that they were prophesied to. But because it was not given to them, it was only spoken through them. Right? So they themselves had already sought of these things that had been spoken. At the end of scriptures, Jesus basically saying, he said beginning Matthew chapter 24. He said beginning at Moses and Moses and the prophets, he began to expound in all of scriptures the things concerning him. In 44, he said, beginning at Moses the prophet, and in all the Psalms, he began to expound in scriptures the things concerning him. He is the message of scriptures. But they searched, and remember everything I had read. They were wanting to protect the system, the tradition of elders. Why didn't they wash their hands? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they wash their hands before eating? Why did they pluck the truth? A man was raised from the lame, being lame all these years. And what they had to say was, why is he carrying his bed on the Sabbath day? Listen, hear me and hear me very well. Remember I started by saying this. I said, a broken Heart and a contrite spirit, the Lord will not what? Will not despise. Will not despise. There are many people who are asking questions. And then, they are, listen, don't be more 
loyal to a thought pattern or a doctrinal position you've held for many years over the word. If the word is right, I'm wrong. If the word right, if the word rightly divided says A, A is my answer. If the word rightly divided says B, no matter how uncomfortable it is, B is the answer. Are you here? B is the answer. We are loud about, don't let any T, don't let anybody bully you into your convictions. Bully you to hide your convictions. There are tweets I do, I just tweet it and I mute it. Because I'm not interested in any other thing, especially if I know it's maybe it's going to be a little controversial. I'm not interested in anything you want to say. This is it. And tomorrow I will tweet another one. Because it's a booster. So listen, there's a reason, there's a reason, hmm, can play now. there's a reason I said, I, I, I laid that foundation. A lot of us may be thinking about the Pharisees and saying, how could they? How? How could the Messiah come and you cannot recognize him? Tony, why? Why? Why can't you recognize the Messiah? Some of us may be like that. Maybe unconsciously. You've lost the essence of devotion. Remember, there was a reason the law was given. It was to point them to the Messiah. But they began to protect the law for the law rather than following the law that was leading them to a Messiah. You become so callous with spiritual things or you handle spiritual things carnally. That's what the problem with the Corinthian church and spiritual gifts. You handle spiritual things so carnally that in handling them um, um, you become wicked with God, with what is holy. Somebody was raised. And then you, Jesus was basically telling them that, listen, I'm the Lord of the harvest, of the Sabbath. When it comes to the Sabbath, anything I say goes. I am the Lord of that rest. You are the place prepared for me. You are the place of my rest. I am the Lord. I am enthroned on high. It's only OGs that will know that song. You are the place prepared for me. You are the place of my rest. I am the Lord. I am enthroned on high. I am the place prepared for you. I am the place of your rest. You are the Lord. You are enthroned on high. Ah, that song is such a powerful song. Not just melody now. The revelation. Because our bodies are temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are the Lord's final, we are his dwelling place. What temples could not do, my body has done. Praise the Lord. Just because he chose me. Listen, some of us, some of us, our we might have become like that subconsciously. We have forgotten why. We have lost touch in devotion. So when you are singing, there are some songs that touch you more than some other songs. If it's not, Elohim, Adonai, you're saying, hey, hey, Emil, he's here, he's here. I'm not sure who he is, but he's here. We've forgotten that it's not about the song. It's not about how melodious the song is, it's about who we are singing to. It's not about the depth of the tongues. 
is about to whom we are speaking mysteries to. So if your tongue is not who do do, who do, who no no, it's not. He said there is a way you will speak. the tongues does not have weight. And I tuned into one. I don't know how I tuned in, but I saw Bishop Waluke. He was praying. His tongues very ancient. But when I heard it, I said, I said, you are a man of God, sir. I said, this prayer language, he has, he has, a, he has length. It was, it was not deep. It was not like you. You say, I do, do, do. That's the way you will, you will dip the tongue. You say, ah, you do it. It's not about the depth of the tongues. Is who you are communicating with. So that's why even in prayer, you know, you are praying with somebody, the person is speaking in tongues, and you're like, ah, this brother, the tongues. There's a name for that thing, carnality. When the guest minister comes in, and he comes in with a car, and entourage, and there's a grace, you say, Kai. There's a name, materialism. When your life is based on senses, is sin. There's a lot of moving around. And it's ladies. I'm not shading you, please. There's just a lot of moving around. And I notice it's mostly ladies. Please sit down. Thank you. Are you jotting that down, man of God? <laughs> Listen. Let me, read, let me read the way I wrote it here. I said it's not about the song, it's whom we are singing to. There are some songs, it's not about the tongues, it's to whom we are praying to. It's not about the event, it's to whom we have gathered. And what is our response? There are some songs you should hear, you shouldn't be on your seat. But you know, we are used to church. We are used to, I mean, I mean, is it not? We are used to it. I remember two, I heard the story of two men of God. They were outside talking. So a guy came and was, he was going. They said, where are you going to? He had a meeting. He said, sir, I need to leave. He said, why? He said, I know what you will preach in this meeting now. It's um, this thing. It's about the gifts of spirit. You will say this, 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 this. He said, the Holy Ghost does not know. That's why he has left the meeting now. No, that's why, that's what the man of God replied him. And I'm saying this because a lot of us, we've lost reverence. You can be saved. But far. I don't know how to explain it. You can be saved, but far. And I'm not saying this to guilt strip you. No. I'm saying this to call your heart back. When the Bible talks up, talks to believers to walk righteously, it tells us to because we can. You can't tell, he said, let him that stole steal no more. You can't tell a non-believer not to steal. He is sold to sin. He's a slave under sin. But he said, let him that stole, steal no more. Why? Because the believer has been empowered by the spirit to do good works. So you can tell the believer not to do evil. Are you guys here at all? Are you guys here? So listen. Hear me. Anama Sanda. See. The Bible says, that's a very powerful verse. Your heart your lips draw near, but your heart is far. Hence, worship is vain. Have you seen people who, I'm telling you guys some of the, the reason why spiritual devotion does not work for many of you, or some of you, 
or you know people it doesn't work for. They pray a lot, but things are not changing in their lives. And when I say things are not changing, I'm not talking of financial miracles or things that are no. I mean, they pray a lot, but um, their work with God, nothing is changing. They still lie. They still lie. The word of God has no... You've been born again for many years. They pray well, but they say, leave Bible first. Say, we are talking real life now. The lips drawn near, but your heart is far. And this is the dangerous thing with, with, with eye service. You, you can convince yourself so much of a lie that you begin to believe it. You now wield spiritual things carnally. You pray long as a CV. Say, so have you done 24 hours before? Do you know who I is? We now, you now wield, you say, listen, listen. And that's why, that's why I don't, when I prophesy, I don't like people saying prophesy. I don't like it. It's not about me. I remember people say glory to God. Because it's a sign that Jesus is glorified and his spirit has been given to men. I explained this at prophetic reign. Are you here? Listen. So, there's a way we, we, we lay down and we say, ah, Father, we honor you. So, so, there's a way, because we've been in church, the things of God don't move you anymore. So, there's a, it doesn't matter how mighty God is moving, you say, hmm. Yes. Thank you. I like ah. There's a note you missed there, but God is still good. Remember, it's not unto you that the praises of His people will come. It's to Him. It's to Him. It's to Him. You are not praying. You are not praying. You are not praying. In this wicked world, 24 hours, you didn't talk to your maker. It might just mean that you are self-sufficient. And apart from that, even when you pray, listen, can I tell you something? The effectiveness of six hours prayers is not a six hours. It's the heart. What was your heart saying? While your lips was rattling in the Holy Ghost, what was your heart saying? When the word of, this is the thing, the word of God does not leave you the same. You are either hardened, huh? or you are better for it. So if when the word of God comes to you, and that's why what Jesus said, Jesus said if you are with your brother, and you go and offer something to the temple, and then you remember that your brother has ought against you. Now, that always amazes me because, hold on, no. he's not saying, I have something against him. Right? If he has something, if he has a problem with me, eh? forget your offering. Keep it one side. Go and settle with him, or at least try. Settle with him, then come back and offer. That should tell us that God accepts a man before his gift. Are you here? Better is who God is making you than what he's giving to you. That's why Paul said that even though I give my body to be burnt, 
He said, if I have not love. If I give my body to be burnt, but I have not love. It means that, yo, you can give dangerously. Because you want to be recognized. And that's why I don't believe that we can award anybody as a, you know, greatest giver in church. I don't. I'll tell you why. Because we can only give with what we, we can only award men with what we see. Jesus, a woman gave two copper coins. Say two copper coins. I've been looking for you in my eyes. A woman gave two copper coins, but Jesus recognized her gift. Guys, are you with me? Maybe I should go to the back. Because it's like the world is touching them more there. The devil's there. I'm joking, I'm joking. A woman gave two copper coins. Isaac, meet me. Stay away from me. You're actually too close. A woman gave two copper coins and then Jesus looked at that woman. And he said, she has given the greatest. Now, a lot of people now say that, oh, the reason why the woman gave the greatest is because she had one, she gave more of her all. Maybe if you have one dollar, 24 cents, if you don't give the entire dollar, you have not given enough. No. It was not because of what she gave. It was the heart the gift came from. Remember, we stand before a God. We stand, we we stand before a God. Hi, Jesus, English. We are before a God who before whom all things are naked. Nothing is hidden. It's scary. So when your heart was saying one thing, when your heart was saying one thing, or your lips were saying one thing, but your heart was saying another, he saw it. He saw it. Your name is a light that the shadows can deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light and forever live to die. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light that the shadows can deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light and forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Listen, child of God. It was the heart that the gift came from. Are you with me? Are you with me? It was the heart that the so, the greatest giver is not who gave the most. It's whose heart gave the most. That's why, Paul tell us, that's why Paul will tell us that God loves a cheerful giver. Because it's not just about um, the gift. It's about the man. It's about the heart. And when Daniel Bentley and I talk about this thing, reverence reverence with the essence that when you go to prayer you know that you are before the audience of the one who has the heavens and the earth the one who gave you breath so when we stand before him when you are talking to your father you don't press your phone 
When prayer, you're like Shaba. Hmm. Balabashanda. Double tap. Fire, fire, fire emoji. What a word. Before the one who made you. When we come before the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who owns the breath in your lungs. You see, one time I was in church, I sat upstairs and I saw people pressing phone. One finished Snapchat on another phone, brought out Instagram on the other phone. I said, oh Lord, where is your right hand that decks men? If you deck him like this, that, that right ear, he'll just be hearing Instagram notification in the ear 24-7 for seven days. He will run away from Instagram. Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? Reverence. Reverence. That when we gather before the saints, any other thing can go. Let me fellowship with the Lord. That we come to meetings and we don't have to say, where's your response? Press your Stop pressing your phone. Reverence. That we know that the, in devotion... At his feet is the highest place. We know that when it comes to him, we have not lost the essence. We have not left the essence of prayer and compensated for it with the length of prayer. Ah. We've not left the essence of fasting and compensated with it with the length of fasting. If you've not done 21 days dry, you have not started your work with God. Says who? It's still wrong to shame people into Christian devotion. Sometimes it's necessary, but I've learned that if you consistently do that, that's the only thing they will know. And when you do it for them, they will pass it on to other people. It's amazing. You know, I was talking with a young lady yesterday about a relationship she was in and some stuff. And I told her that she won my respect. I'll tell you why. She was offended by someone, you know, and then she protected his image. Listen, do you know what the Bible says about Joseph? The Bible says Joseph was a just man. He was a pious man. He was a righteous man. And because he was, when Mary sinned, oh, not Mary didn't sin, sorry. When Mary took seed, I mean, we are dating. I'm pregnant. How? Holy Ghost. Please, let's be serious. How are you pregnant? The power of the highest. Please, please, please. You are power of the highest. Go to your father's house. Now, the lady, Joseph, being a righteous man, he did not want to mess her up. Do you know what he did? He told her, he wanted to put her away privately. The only side of righteousness some of us know is the Lord, the Lord loved righteousness and hated iniquity. <laughs> Listen, when some of us hear that a believer has a scandal, do you know what we do? I knew it. And we forget that we are part of a body. That when that believer has a problem, it's a problem for all of us. When a man of God has a scandal, you should fall to your face and cry. Privileged to be speaking with a man of God. He was telling me that when another man of God had the scandal, he said he fell on his face and was praying, 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 praying. Praying for the man. He said he slept off. He woke up in the night. Started crying again and praying. That's the response. 
Begin to repent now. That's the response. It's a biblical, I can show you through scriptures. We handle private sins privately and public sins publicly. It's when the person is unrepentant to one other people, we cast him out. And the reason for church punishment is so that the person will see his wrong and be restored. Some of us believe, behave like when a believer has a scandal, nothing good will come out of his life again. No. So, like I said, the essence, the essence, just know that you're not supposed to be behaving like that. Think about your life and how infallible you are. How you've not made mistakes. We can receive grace, but to communicate it, problem. I say this with trembling knees. Church people are some of the most unforgiving people you can meet. Unforgiving. You make one mistake, they've colored you forever. Doesn't matter what else you do. You are seen through one lens. There are many things, and many things go unchecked. These days, I've, I've given up. There are many things I hear about me. I give up. And I'm like, let God judge. There's one called Rohi. He sees. But I, one thing I know is when it comes to another believer, you are my brother, we cover you. Even my friends, I rebuke my friends privately. But in public, I got your back. Except you are unrepentant. Then I'm not with you. It's interesting, like I said, Joseph was a righteous man. But he hid Mary's issue. What does the Bible say? Listen. Ah, it's so interesting. He says, the, the Lord told, Samuel spoke to Saul. He said, don't offer sacrifice till I come. Wait for me. Then the people were grumbling. And do you know what Samuel did? And Saul did. Because the people were grumbling, he took the animals, slaughtered them, and offered it as sacrifice. Do you know what some of you are doing? God is not blessing what you are doing, but you are saying, Lord, I will use it to glorify you. So, he slaughtered that thing. He slaughtered the animals in sacrifice. And do you know what the Lord said? Saul now came and said, what is this you have done? He said, don't you know that to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams? That, that emphasizes what I, what I said at the beginning, that God receives a man before he receives of the man. Are you here? It's not about the motions. It's about the heart. It's not about the motions. It's about the heart. It's not about the motions. It's not about the games, the gimmicks, and all you are trying to do. It's about the heart. It's not about the hours of prayer. It's about the fellowship. Even though fellowship sometimes drives you to hours of prayer. But when you are praying... So that you can add it to your CV. Your lips is closed, but your heart. That's why Jesus will tell us, Matthew 6, he said, when ye pray, he said, go to the closet. When you fast, don't disfigure yourself, your face like the Pharisees. Hey, Kalia, Tambara, Dashai. The reason Jesus said that is simple. Jesus said that because... He said, don't be like the Pharisees. It's not like every time you are praying, it must be private. But he's saying that anyone who prays so that the public will see him, they have their reward already. That's a scary statement. 
Anything you are doing so that men will say, good job, that's your reward. Do you know what the Bible says? Paul was speaking. He said, some are preaching Jesus, you know, some are preaching Jesus for whatever means. But he said, but the most important thing is that Christ is preached. Some, somebody might want to have K-I-M, not N-I-M now, C-I-M, Z-I-M, whatever, a ministry because it will give you honor and accolades. How old is P-N-I? But people are honoring, they're calling him, sir, I can do it too. He can do it, I can do it. And Christ will be preached. And do you know the funny thing? The most dangerous thing is to succeed in what God never sent you. Because you will think, can't you see the, the workings of the highest? So you will do it and it will work well. So the most important thing is that Christ is preached. But you go collect from God. You will stand before him and you will say, all the things you did, valid. But your heart. Your heart. So your works, will, they will burn. They will burn. But you will be saved through the fire. But your works will be burned. So for all the mighty things you did, no reward. Hear the sound of my voice. I know I sound like a Christocentric holiness preacher now. I like the atmosphere in the room, very calm. If we sing small, some people will start weeping for their sins. <laughs> but listen, listen to me. Listen. I want you to know that when we pray, it's not about the prayer. It's about him. When we sing, it's not about the voice. It's not about how sonorous the voice is, as important as that is. It's about him. Have you seen, I've seen people, and that's why I started seeing this thing, and I said, oh, so this is it. I've seen people who spend a lot of time praying, but nothing in their heart shifts for the Lord. And it's worrying. I don't know, if you can see in the spirit a little, you look at them, and it looks like there's a drab, there's sackcloth, there's this garment on them. Who knows what I'm saying? Okay. That's the enemy. That's the, What? Loose. <laughs> listen. Listen. Child of God. Let me read a few things. Look at Hannah. Hannah went to the altar and knelt. And she said, God, I beg go. Who go help? She was on her knees. And then Eli came and he said, woman, are you drunk? And she said, I've taken no strong, but my heart. And he said, be it unto you. She didn't say much, but her heart said a lot. You know, that's what Apostle said. He said, God, I beg, is prayer. 2020 was a very hard time for me. I couldn't pray most of the time. But most of the times, I'll just say, God, help me. Help. And those prayers were loud. Loud. I was, I went to Abuja. I did stay. Abuja, the hand of God was strong, but I was in pains. Sifia, pains. And I said, God, help me. Help. Please help me. So, when it comes to prayer, your heart, devotion, your heart speaks louder than your words. When a lot of people say things like, um, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Yes, there's a way you can explain it. But listen, the religiosity to Christianity 
is a product of relationship. Because you love the Lord, you will have times of prayer. Because you love the Lord, you will have times of Bible study. James, in explaining Christianity, said this is true religion. Christianity is a religion. You are trying to be deep. It's a religion. It's not a religion. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a relationship. But it's a religion. It's a religious relationship. It's a relationship that is done religiously. It's a religion that has a relationship to it. Anyhow, you cannot separate the two. Hannah prayed and the Lord heard her. Like I said, this is why a lot of people that's why a lot of people um, have dangerous times of devotion but nothing. Nothing. Because it's not about you see I've heard many stories. I have pastor friends who tell me people who come out of some places and then they do walk. But then they now come into some other places and say, ah, it's different here. And then they now begin to experience the fruit of spiritual growth. Say amen. I'll show you two verses and then we end. Show you two verses and then we end. Turn your Bible to Revelations. We don't choose our response. If it's to the Lord, you respond. Revelations 1.11 Hold on. I'm trying to look for the exact one. Revelations 2.8. Put it for me here, sir. Revelations 2.8. Hmm. Or oh, you know what? Okay, let's see 2.8. It says, and unto the angel. The angel here means pastor, right? It means pastor. To the angel of the church, he's smiling, right? This thing said the first and the last, which was dead and which is alive. Give me Revelations 3.1 instead. Revelations 3.1. He said, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis, right? This thing saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, and I know thy works. Listen, are you here? Are you here? And I know, go back now, I, I wasn't done. He said, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Next verse. He said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to what? Hold on. He said they have, a, they have a name that they are what? That they are alive. But he said, but you are, he says, be, go back. Let's read again. He said, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and, thou, and art dead. See, don't let this be the testimony of your work with God. 
Don't be that person who he prays a lot. But because you've lost the essence of prayer, prayer has no working in your heart. He studies his Bible a lot. But because the word of God no longer touches you, the word cannot correct you. Um, you have become unpersuadable. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. He said, I know that you have a name that thou livest, but you are dead. You have a name that you are fine, but you are not really fine. Maybe this is a teaching on consecration, but hey, when it comes to devotion and things like this, it's easy to focus on the length of the prayer and forget the heart in prayer. The most important organ in prayer is not the tongue, it's the heart. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson Hagan Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at t.me forward slash Nelson Hagan. And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Hagan. God bless you.